Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's we had a hard time together, together. Yes, it's a hard time. We had a hard time together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host in Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. Over the next three weeks, we're talking with some outstanding women in cannabis about everything from strategically building your business or brand to social equity, to menopause and women's health. And we're getting this girl power party started with arguably the most celebrated woman in cannabis. Nancy Whiteman is the founder of Wana Brands, the largest edible company in North America by market share. Wana manufactures and sells gummies in Colorado and licenses its intellectual property to partners who manufacture, distribute, and sell Wana brand gummies across the United States, including California, Arizona, Illinois, Michigan, and Florida, giving Wana a total footprint of 12 U.S. states currently and across Canada. Nancy leads Wana's strategic vision and is instrumental in new market expansion. She shares the challenges of an industry growing exponentially and without diversity and inclusivity. And Nancy has sound advice for women in the cannabis industry. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief. If your muscles and joints need some TLC without the THC, 
check out MJ Relief, the hemp-based CBD muscle rub, PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. Besides being a pain-relieving, skin-soothing muscle rub, MJ Relief contains no synthetic scents, is paraben-free, and non-GMO. And bonus, a little goes a long way and will uplevel your next massage. And the 0.5-ounce MJ Minis, they make excellent stocking stuffers or secret Santa gifts. So right now, when you buy tins of MJ Relief, you'll save 10% using promo code CASUALLYBAKED at checkout. Shop online at mjskinrelief.com. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. As the holiday season approaches, rather than playing roulette with the supply chain backlog, save your peace of mind by shopping locally and minimally. Imagine if we all support local and regional makers, farmers, and businesses. We'd stimulate the economy where it has the most meaningful impact, in our own backyard. And what if we went for quality over quantity this year and got one special something instead of a load of crap? This one defiant act disrupts the pattern of mass consumption, while bringing back into focus what actually matters in this life. It's not about having the hottest pair of sneakers and every toy known to man or an outfit for every potential occasion. It's about sharing love and creating points of connection. And speaking of connection, I highly encourage the idea of gifting unforgettable experiences you can share with your person. Perhaps even a cannabis lifestyle session with yours truly or a reservation for a casually baked getaway to Northern California's wine and weed country in the spring. Or you can let the cannabis lover in your life choose their own adventure with virtual casually baked bucks. They can be used for coaching, experiences, or merch in the online store at casuallybaked.com. And if you're shopping for a cannabis newbie, gift them with the skills of joint rolling. Get their Roll With Me starter kit at ocbusa.com backslash baked. You'll get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. And because variety is the spice of life, enjoy sampling the entire line of OCB products. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social, at OCB underscore USA. Be sure to ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. You'll find links to the OCB special offer and the latest episode of Roll With Me in the podcast show notes at casuallybaked.com. You can also catch the Roll With Me video series live streaming on the Casually Baked YouTube channel and the highly responsible Canna Consumers Facebook group with replays on the WeedTube and Instagram. If you haven't checked out last week's podcast about CBD, Craig's got something to say about it. Yo, Joe, just saw that the CBD episode dropped. 
stoked to check it out on my six-hour drive tomorrow night. Just wanted to say a big-ass thank you for making this podcast. The fact that I asked a question and there is a podcast about it in like, what, three weeks is unbelievable. Your commitment and dedication is commendable and it's greatly appreciated. I can't wait to listen and spread the podcast to everyone. CBD is the cannabinoid to get people talking, curious, and using plant medicine. Again, you rock and I love all of the content you're creating. I eat it all up, never stop. If you're like Craig and you are picking up what I'm putting down, please rate and review Casually Baked the Podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That one small action helps other canna curious folks find highly responsible discussions like this one with Nancy about her journey bootstrapping a wildly successful cannabis business and the importance of intentionally carving out your lane. We also examine the gummy craze, THCV, female consumers, and being a woman in a male-dominated cannabis industry. So smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. I am here with Nancy Whiteman today. She is the CEO of Wanna Brands, and as far as I'm concerned, the most famous woman in cannabis right now. So Nancy, I know you are super, super busy. So thank you for hitting pause to chat with me today. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I really appreciate it. Certainly. So when I talk about you being the most celebrated woman in cannabis right now, for those that don't know, Wanna Brands just recently was a part of the largest transaction ever in the edible space with the Canopy Growth deal where they received... $298 million up front in return for options to buy all of Wanna brands when we federally legalize here in the United States. So first of all, like, bravo, <laughs> sister. Thank you. Wow. How yeah, does that you feel? So you know, it, it feels incredible and um, a lot of different emotions, It's but it's an amazing experience and very grateful for it. Yes. And the thing that makes it even more exciting to me is the fact that one of brands is bootstrapped. Yes. Like, you don't owe shit to anybody. <laughs> that is true. So we started one of brands 11 years ago, actually. So, um, yeah, we were, we're kind of one of the OG in the edible space, I would say. And it is true. We were able to do something kind of unusual. And I, I can talk about what the circumstances were that led us to be able to do that. But we were able to bootstrap the company with a very, very modest amount of upfront money. And then for the last 11 years, we've just been growing the company organically without taking in any outside uh, investors. So it's been an adventure. Beautiful. So can you think of an early decision that you made that has made such a huge difference in the trajectory of your company? Oh, yes. I think probably one of the most impactful decisions we made was to really focus on the gummy category before it was the hyper-competitive category that it is today. Um, it, this was sort of an interesting story because uh, we are based in Colorado. And um, 
you know, we like many, many uh, early edibles companies just tried a little bit of everything. And I think that's very typical of startups, uh, which is it takes a little bit of time to find your footing, if you will. And so we had everything from infused nuts to infused beef jerky to baked goods to candy. Um, but I saw that there was a company that was taking off that was in the gummy space. And they were using a different model than the one we ended up using. They were purchasing off the shelf gummy candies and spraying them with hash oil. And, but I could see that they were selling a lot. So um, we had the idea to start making gummies from scratch and to infuse them in the cooking process. Um, and so we, we did that and, and ultimately so did literally hundreds of other companies. But I think the thing that made it a very good decision for us is that uh, we really started to focus on it. We started to really say, um, what can we do to make this the most premier, most delicious gummy that anybody has ever tasted, but also the most effective and the most consistent and the highest quality from an experience point of view. So it really was that focus on what ended up being the leading category by far in edibles that I think was one of our, our very early, very good decisions. Yeah. And you know, it's so crazy because I'm not a huge gummy person, but I know how difficult it is to make candies and make, you know, mm -hmm. a good gummy. And, you know, and when I have purchased them, and of course, back in the day when I would get them and you accidentally leave it in your car and then you open up the <laughs> container and you just have like this one blob of mush. Yes. And so y'all did all those little things to make yeah. sure this thing passes the heat That's test. Right. And, you we know, we did. We, we we always joke about avoiding the gummy goo, right? We don't want uh, we don't want products that melt, but you know you're you're absolutely right that for any product that you decide you're going to focus on, there's a million little subtle ways to keep improving it and keep making it better, and never to sort of sit back on your laurels and say we've got it nailed. You know we're we've we've created the ultimate gummy because uh, we really are always in a state of continuous improvement. And I think that's just great advice in general for life. Like, you know, we're constantly changing and evolving and tweaking to get better and better. And so if, you know, we should be doing that as humans and, and mm -hmm. business people. And so, of course, letting that spill over into the products that we create or, you know, the shows that we create like I do. Like, you know, I put a lot of love into every episode and people hear that, you know, yes. they, they can tell that you've done the extra work. And so, you know, you create a loyal fan base in, the, in that regard. Which I, yeah, I agree. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Um, just remind me to talk about brand loyalty and women later. Okay, <laughs> great. I will. I was going to say um, one of the things that I think um, is part and parcel of what you're talking about, whether it's a podcast or an edibles company, is that you want to be known for something, right? Um, a lot of early players, I think, tried to get into every single product category, and the truth is, it's really hard to excel in all of them. So when I think about some of the companies that I consider to be the most successful brands, typically you'll have an association with a particular product that they make. Um, you know, with one, it happens to be gummies, but everybody has one or two things that they're really known for. And then many times people begin to add other products in. But that's the other thing that I would say was an early good decision was not to try to extend to too many product formats. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I hear that a lot when you getting into the coaching space, I do mentoring for an organization called score and you do small business mentoring. And a lot of people, when they come in and they have problems, it's because they're spread too thin. They're trying to do too many things, be too many things to too many people. And so focusing in and honing, you know, you've, you have created, um, a huge reputation in, in the edible space and, and y'all, you're a multi-state operator. Although I think you went about that a little bit different than Mm -hmm. a lot of other brands too. So tell me, tell me what y'all did in that regard. Well, a lot of times when we talk about multi-state operators, we're talking about vertically integrated models where people are cultivating, processing and manufacturing and dispensing. Um, and that's, um, that's an ambitious business model uh, it, because those are three completely different types of businesses. People who know how to grow, people know how to process, people who know how to sell and create retail environments, three different sets of skill sets. So when you start thinking about that multiplied by 10 states, for example, um, because we have to recreate in every state we go into, it's almost like running 37. Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. I did this years ago, and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, EndoDecoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, EndoAligned Product Matching in Your State, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Effica Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Effica Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formulation of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget, promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit businesses. So I'm not smart enough for that. So we really just focused on the manufacturing and processing side of it. And we chose to do it uh, in an asset light model. And by that, what I mean is that we didn't attempt to take licenses in all the markets that we went into. What we did instead was to create a center of excellence in Colorado where we really had nailed all of the production processes and then um, built out a team that could then take those and translate them into different markets. And so uh, that did a couple of things for us. That allowed us to go quickly and it allowed us to go uh, with a relatively uh, low capital expense because we were not getting licenses and building out facilities in every state. So that's, that's how we approached it. I like that. And the fact that, you know, depending on where you are, you'll find a little bit different version of, of WANA products 
in each of these markets. So you're able to really hone in on what does this particular market want and, and make that happen without having to change your whole model. Absolutely. I think um, one of the sweet spots uh, for a multi-state operator like me as a brand, as, like Juana, is that um, you have to hit this, this uh, balance of localizing for market tastes. And that might be, gosh, for some reason, everybody seems to go crazy about raspberry here or whatever it might be. Um, but also uh, keeping the brand consistency as much as possible from market to market. To market. And sometimes that is a regulatorily driven thing, uh, whether it's differences in packaging or labeling or even differences in dosage or product format. So it is impossible, given the current structure, to have everything be completely consistent from market to market, um, which gives us the opportunity to do some customization for markets. So when I look at a gummy and I'm going to purchase something like that, for me, I'm always like, where's the one that's not coated in sugar? You know, what's one that's got a, a, a moderate dosage? I liked, you know, 25 milligrams is my like, you know, if I were going to take an ad, well, that's my sweet spot. So if I am going to have to eat a couple of gummies, what is the what's going to be that added sugar count. So I always look for somebody that's doing it in a way where they're using, you know, better sweeteners and it's like at a low glycemic index and things like that. So what is Juana doing in regard to um, the low sugar stuff? Do y'all have things on the market now like that? Are you rolling things out that are good for the low glycemic folks? Well, you know, one of the reasons that I think that gummies have become a popular format is that unless you should have the tolerance that would enable you to eat a whole, you know, package of them, which most people do not, um, they're a relatively low sugar product already, just by the nature of the fact that they're a small format. So I think our gummies have three grams of carbs, I believe, and, and all of that being sugar. <laughs> um, but we do, uh, for example, we have switched over completely in Colorado and many of our other markets to using uh, organic tapioca syrup instead of high fructose corn syrup, for example, um, which does have a different impact uh, on your blood sugar. So um, is it a no sugar product? It's not a no sugar product, but as long as you're eating one of them, most people find it pretty tolerable. I had a woman in the studio the other day. She's uh, late 60s, I believe. And she was saying that her gummy is her dessert. You know, mm -hmm. she's a fit woman mm -hmm. that, you know, and is watching what she eats. And so, you know, when she goes to bed at night, she has the gummy with THC and maybe some CBN or something. But she's like, this is dessert for me. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know that I'm that disciplined, but I appreciate <laughs> the concept. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> but, you know, it is interesting because um, there are other edible formats out there that you just have to eat more of them. And, you know, chocolate, for example, or, or something along those lines. So it is nice to have an option that is a, a lower sugar option. And I think one of the things that's interesting about the gummy format is that it was in some ways sort of popular, popularized, that's hard to say, for us um, through the vitamin industry because everybody got used to eating one of them, right? You don't open up your 
your multivitamin gummies in the morning and say, gosh, that was delicious. I think I'll have four or five of those, <laughs> right? You eat one of them. And it's it's well understood as a platform, if you will, for delivering medicine and delivering supplements. Yeah, I agree. I have a lot of people in my life that do that gummy vitamin thing. And, you know, you just like jump on board, like this is the wave. Let's this is what people are doing. You know, I'm not trying to get them to do something different. Like, let's just go with it. So speaking of, you recently wrote a white paper that was focusing on um, women and and product development and branding to women. And so, you know, as we're talking about what are these habits that people already have, you know, what were some of the things that you found when doing the homework um, for that white paper? Well, first of all, excuse me, fighting some allergies here. The paper is called Building New Foundations in Cannabis Industry. And it was um, a project that was uh, conceived by um, the ArcView group and NCIA. Uh, and it had many different papers in it. Um, our paper was one specifically focused on on product uh, development and branding as it related to women. And I think one of the first things that I would call out is that um, inherently as a brand, I think you're going to run into difficulties if you think that women are a monolithic group. They're, they are not. Uh, different women respond differently. Uh, we see tremendous age differences by group even. So, you know, people will say, oh, well, women, they like edibles and they like, you know, topicals. And that is true. Uh, But if you look at Gen X women, which are actually the fastest growing cannabis using group, um, they actually index much more heavily towards inhalables, right? So you can't, one of the first things to say is, you can't just say, I'm here to hit the woman market. You've got to really think about who it is that you're trying to reach and why are you trying to reach them? Um, but the other thing that I would say is that there were a number of myths that got busted in this paper. And we were very fortunate. Um, we partnered with this particular paper with Headset, which is one of the leading analytics company in the industry. And also um, the Brightfield Group uh, also contributed some data. And they helped us really look at what the reality is of how women use cannabis and how they purchase cannabis. And we did sort of a little myth buster um, part of that paper, which was was kind of fun and interesting. Um, one of the things, for example, I, I sort of mentioned it before, is this this notion that, that somehow women uh, really don't like to smoke weed. They like to just consume edibles and rub things on their body. Well, <laughs> that isn't actually true. Women also really like to smoke weed. Now, but interestingly, even within that, there's nuance, right? Because what women do over-index on are um, formats that are a little bit easier to use. So pre-rolls, vape pens versus dabbing versus rolling your own joint. So maybe they buy less flour, maybe they buy less hash, um, but they do like inhalables and they also do like edibles and topicals. Now, the other interesting thing about um, the edibles and the topicals that we see, though, is that women particularly over-indexed in things that were health and wellness focused, much more so than men. Um, the three big things that you see uh, p- really everybody using cannabis for, and then women 
really much more so than men, um, is um, sleep, anxiety, and depression. So products that are specially formulated for those conditions do, in fact, do very well with women. They over-index for women. So there's a lot of nuance to thinking about creating products. In general, there's a lot of nuance to it. But even when you uh, supposedly narrow it down and say, I'm creating products for the female market, there's still a lot of complexity and a lot of things that you need to think about. So I am one of your Gen X flower-loving you know, pot smoking women. And I recently this year started learning to roll my own joints because I thought this is ridiculous, Joanna. Like you go to a party, people expect you to be the master of ceremonies. And if you can't (laughs) roll a good joint, like what kind of a lifestyle guide are you? So, you know, I have been practicing rolling joints all year because I don't necessarily love when I get a pre-roll you know, I like the fresh flower and I can Mm -hmm. tell a difference. And so, you know, I think when you start getting more sophisticated in your relationship with cannabis, you also start getting a little bit more confident in changing Mm -hmm. lanes and trying out new stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. And in fact, the data sort of bears you out, I would say, because, you know, one of the, the other myths I think about, um, women versus men in their cannabis use is that, that women are somehow less sophisticated or less knowledgeable. Um, but the truth is that, that women are, are, are key consumers of premium cannabis products, including fresh flower, as you're saying. Um, and they, they do appreciate the, the nuances of, of the more premium type products. And I think women, they're more willing to do the homework. So I can see them elevating to better products when they when they know better, they want to buy better. Right. And that great quote from who Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. Yes. It's interesting too, because one of the things that the research does show is that men, for example, are perhaps more likely to buy something that's strain specific than a woman is. Right. Um, And so they have more confidence. Perhaps they feel that they're more, they have more expertise. Right. But it also opens up an opportunities for brands because as you were just saying, I think women are very open to education and being educated. So they will tend to gravitate to brands who make that investment in helping people People really understand about their products and educating people on their products. You know, and when I first started doing this and I would help, this was before Prop 64. So back when it was just medically legal with 215, I would help people go in, get their medical card. And then I was finding that they weren't going into the dispensary. They were apprehensive about going in and using their medical card after they got it. And most of the time it was because they didn't want to feel overwhelmed and not know what they were doing. They didn't want to be the newbie in the store. And so I started going in and doing the handholding along Mm -hmm. with it. And, you know, and that's how I ended up creating this little resource guide because I'm like, women really do. They want to know all the information before they got started. You know, that's such an interesting point. Um, We have a new product line in Colorado, and we're going to be rolling it out 
uh, in the rest of the country, but we call it the Optimals line. And it is health and wellness focused in that it's condition specific or it's use case specific, I should say. So our first two products in that line um, were a sleep product and also a product that we called Wanna Fit. It's our first THCV product and nice. THCV for any listeners who, who are not familiar with it, is a rare cannabinoid that actually helps with weight regulation and energy and focus. So one of the things that we did to try to address just what you were talking about, women not going into dispensaries, was uh, we created a little concierge program with a really terrific group of cannabis nurses called Leaf 411. And um, people who are interested can actually make an appointment to have a Leaf 411 concierge go into the dispensary with them, explain the product to them, make sure that they're comfortable. Because um, I think, you know, our belief is that um, I'm a huge fan of, of cannabis for recreational purposes. So let me preface everything by that. But me too. I think that cannabis is um, just such a, a powerful health and wellness uh, uh, platform, really. And so when we think about how do we grow this market, how do we keep this industry growing, it's not going to be sort of duking it out, if you will, over the recreational users who maybe are trying this brand and can be lured to try that brand if you charge $2 less. It's going to be brands who figure out how to bring new people into the marketplace, right, who grow the pie. And so just what you're saying, how do we make the dispensary experience more comfortable for women? How do we help them feel confident uh, that they're uh, understanding what they're getting and that they're making good choices for whatever effect they're looking for? A hundred percent agree. Yeah, that was one of the main catalysts for me starting this podcast. I was like, Traffic's too bad in the Bay Area for me to get around and make a difference. Like I need to get a megaphone and start, you know, speaking outside of this California cannabis bubble because they're, you know, if you're in this environment, probably just like in Colorado, there are a lot of assumptions made about your education level on cannabis simply by living in a state where it's legal. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times those are act, those assumptions are not accurate. And particularly for women who are older, a lot of times they'll go into a dispensary and the person who's helping them is, you know, a 24 year old guy with a lot of tattoos and piercings. And he's very, you know, very much part of the industry. And you have a woman who's 45 or 50 going in, uh, maybe Maybe she's got some issues that are a little sensitive to be talking about. Is that actually the person who she wants to say, hey, I'm having really bad menstrual cramps, you know? Yeah, what, what do you what recommend? You, what do you recommend, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you have to be as a brand, as a dispensary, of course, but also as a brand, thinking very holistically about the experience that people have with your products. Um, everything in terms of how you brand it, but also how you sell it and how you help to create a retail environment or a home delivery environment, if that's possible in, in your market, uh, that actually is uh, consistent with how women like to be uh, treated when they're shopping. Yes. Now, since we're talking about how women like to be treated, I recently read about um, the MJ BizCon conference 
Bearded Bros had uh, published an article that a woman wrote about the female's experience at a cannabis conference and specifically this year's MJ BizCon. Mm -hmm. Were you at MJ BizCon this year? I was. What was your experience before we get started in that? <laughs> well, I'm a little old for, for those particular <laughs> experiences that they were describing. <laughs> uh, and I, I think with my level of notoriety, shall we say, it's, it's less likely probably to happen to me. But um, I think it speaks to a larger issue that, that all kidding aside, I, I would like to address. Um, and that really is inclusivity in the cannabis industry. And um, unfortunately, through a variety of circumstances, which which I can hit on if you like, um, the the industry has become very male dominated. And um, what what has happened is that um, a lot of the smaller businesses, like myself, when I got started, um, are getting boxed out, and particularly in markets with very limited licenses. Because what happens in a limited license market is uh, there becomes intense competition to get that license. And so, uh, and sometimes, you know, people have to be able to show that they've got, you know, half a million dollars in free cash, uh, that they have uh, a lease signed, that they have a facility, um, that they have a powerful team behind them. Uh, there's this, it's not unusual to be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars before you even find out whether you're going to get the license. And so what does that do? It ends up favoring the people who have historically had the easiest access to, to capital, and that tends to be white men. And so what we're having is an industry that is not growing in terms of its diversity and its inclusiveness. And in fact, um, has created a situation where it's actually difficult for people of color who were the uh, very deliberately targeted victims of the war on drugs. We still have over 40,000 people in jail for minor cannabis violations. Um, they are the ones who are having the most challenges accessing their place in the industry. So this this Bearded Brothers uh, article and the experience of, of the women that they were talking to, um, part and parcel of it is is the cannabis industry, and part of it is just we still have a lot of work to go. We still have a, a long ways to go um, to to have women treated with dignity and respect in this industry and in many other industries. So, what advice do you have? for women, you know, you being one of the female leaders in an industry in all of North America, what have you learned in just your years of business that have helped you kind of navigate these waters? Well, I think it always helps to navigate waters when you are, are coming from a place of strength, right? Now, I didn't start out in a place of strength. I started out like many people who might be listening to this podcast, a tiny little company with very limited resources. Um, but what I would say is that um, I always took myself seriously, right? Even if other people didn't right away, I always did. And I think that energy gets communicated out to people. And I think you have to, um, you have to control this is going to sound a little odd, but you have to control your eagerness for success, right? You have to not let that eagerness um, allow you to be treated in ways that you don't want to be treated. Uh, you have to not allow it to make deals that you shouldn't be making. 
you need it to not let uh, yourself override your strong intuition about whether a person or a situation is the right one for you. And uh, people often ask me, you know, what are the worst mistakes that you've made? And it's always people. The worst mistakes I made were people. I made the bets on wrong people. And a lot of times, and I would say this is true in life, not just in business, the seeds of whatever goes wrong in a relationship were right there from the start. And we just choose not to look at them. And sometimes we choose not to look at them in business because we're so eager for the deal that we override our instincts on the situation. God, that's so true. So in the beginning of my time in cannabis, I was also still doing corporate storytelling for other people outside of the space. And I was the voice of the CEO of an international matchmaking firm. So I was giving advice on love and dating and all that stuff all the time. And that is the thing, like, recognize these red flags early and often because they're not going away and it just gets worse. And I have to say, you know, I always tell that to people when they're negotiating a deal, let it take a little bit of time because you learn a lot about somebody when you're negotiating with them. Um, and what you see often at the beginning of the relationship is basically what you've got. If you have somebody who's difficult to deal with, who doesn't think win-win, who doesn't demonstrate that they have shared values with you, really pay attention to those things. Because as you said, it's not going to go away. It's probably only going to get worse. Yeah, that is good advice. So let's see, what else do I want to ask you? Okay, so yes, yeah, so when we're talking about the boys club thing, how do we handle as women, like when when we're in a meeting and we start getting the whole mansplaining thing happening, you know, and you're like, I know this information, like we're in this, we're in the trenches together. Let's get over you mansplaining and let's get to business. Like, how do you, how do you maneuver that in a graceful way? Well, I have always been a huge believer in using humor strategically. You know, it's such an effective way to not have to turn to somebody and say, are you kidding me? You're actually telling me that? Um, you know, if you can do it in a humorous way that puts the person on notice that you already knew that and, you know, that, oh, thank you so much for sharing that, you know, uh, whatever, whatever uh, humor you can bring to the situation is generally going to be more effective and more comfortable for everybody. Um, because people who are mansplaining, men who are mansplaining, they're usually coming from, you know, a, not a place of, of overtly trying to put you down or, you know, make you feel less than. They're, they're doing it because it's a communication style. And what you need to do <laughs> is you need to let them know that that communication style is not especially effective in this situation. Um, but, you know, again, doing it with humor and not with aggression, I think works better. Yes. And I will say that, you know, me along with probably most other women, when somebody tells me to relax, that's the last thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to say, does that work for you? When, when somebody tells you to relax, do you find that relaxing? Because I don't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like the hair on the back of my neck stands up. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. coming at them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I do say that, you know, um, eventually as people get to know you and get to know what you're really made of, they, they mess around with this stuff less and less and less. 
Yeah. And you know, I I was really disappointed to, to see, you know, what all was written in that article about MJ biz and, and how these different women had these experiences, but I've got to admit, I've had all of those experiences myself, you know, trying to figure out how to ask if, you know, are we having this conversation because you're interested in my business model or because you think that you can have a power position and persuade me to sleep with you? And frankly, I haven't gone to a cannabis event, you know, since all of the COVID stuff mm-hmm. started. I'll go to Emerald Cup in in December, but I've just kind of laid off of it and felt really good about that decision. Well, you know, I think the other thing is that you have to give yourself permission to walk out, right? You, you don't have to put up with this. And uh, where when you start to give up your power in that way, like I better play along with this because maybe they'll fund me, it's all over as far as I'm concerned. You know, you're, you're setting up a situation where you will not be treated with respect. Yeah, that's so true. So now tell me if um, you've got this canopy growth deal done, $298 million burning a hole in your pocket. <laughs> so what what do y'all have planned for first Juana? And then what are you doing now? Well, um, Juana doesn't change a whole bunch because as you accurately noted at the beginning of this conversation, this was not an acquisition. It was an option for an acquisition post-legalization. And the reason for that is that you know, Canopy is a Canadian company. It trades on the Toronto Exchange, and it also trades on the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ does not allow plant-touching companies in the United States. So Canopy can trade on the NASDAQ because it does not have any direct plant-touching properties or companies in the U.S. They're all in Canada. So um, that was, the structure of the deal was, was due to that. And... Um, what it also means is that I retain ownership of Juana and I'm remaining the CEO of Juana. So we are continuing to execute on our primary strategies, which have been really the same for, for a while. It's to get to attractive markets as quickly as we can um, and uh, also to invest heavily in innovation and R&D so that we can develop highly differentiated, uh, effective, uh, fantastic products for consumers for the long haul that will turn us into a hundred year brand. You know, we are, I'm not interested in, uh, this current cycle of, you know, everybody duking it out for who can race to the bottom the quickest and lose money the fastest. Uh, I don't think that's the way to build a long-term sustainable brand. You know, it's funny to see now, Every brand that I know releasing a gummy line in time for the holidays, like all these gummies are coming out right now. And mm-hmm. I mean, for you, it must feel so good to just be like, I knew it. I nailed it. Yes. Because you don't have to do that. You just keep like honing and diversifying and doing this one thing in an excellent way. So I love that. Yeah, you you do this deal and you're like, it's business as usual over here. We're we're doing what we're doing. There's nothing, no gear shifting happening. No gear shifting happening. If anything, I hope we are able just to pick up the pace. You know, I um, I was 
sharing with with our employees the day that we announced the deal that there's this this wonderful expression that I like that you know if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and I said you know we've been going alone and fast for 11 years and now it's time for us to go together and also to go fast and hopefully by going together we can go even faster um, so you know that's that's my hope uh, we certainly spent a lot of time um, talking with canopy uh, while we were in the getting to know one another phase to make sure that we really did have shared values and that they saw the industry the same way that we saw the industry and that our our values and our hopes for the industry were aligned so you know in terms of what happens next i hope that you know we are uh going to be able to deliver on what looks like it's going to be a really productive wonderful partnership between us outstanding and that's also great advice you know making sure you're looking through the same lens before everyone mm -hmm. signs on the dotted line so what about you? What are you doing to celebrate yourself? Like, are you taking a vacation? I mean, when yeah. we got on this call, you were doing a thousand, you know, points of paperwork. You're, you're yeah. still going. Yeah. No, I'm still going hard. Um, yes, I, I do love, love, love to travel. And uh, COVID has certainly put a little bit of a, a crimp in that as it has for everybody. In fact, today is the first day that we were opening up to international travel, right? So I didn't um, even know that. Yeah, it is. All right. It's, it's okay. a special day. I was actually at LaGuardia yesterday and uh, everybody was sort of a buzz about what it was going to be like tomorrow when, when all the international travel started up again. Um, so yes, a lot of fantastic travel. Um, I'm hoping to take my kids to Italy in, in the spring. So nice. um, where in yeah, Italy are you that. going? I lived in well, Bologna for 16 months when I was figuring out what I wanted to do to get paid oh, to be myself. It was my will, midlife we'll retirement. <laughs> we'll have to chat post a uh, post podcast here, but um, certainly Rome, um, which I've never spent much time there. I have been to Florence. Um, I'd like to go, you know, spend some time in, in more of the village towns of Tuscany. And yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Italy's fabulous, as you know. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important to round out our conversation or advice to women? You know, there's, I guess, one more thing that I would say just for women specifically in the brand space. This is, this is probably good advice for any space that you find yourself in, but it's particularly critical for the brand space. I would say that um, these days are not like they were 11 years ago. You can't do what we did, come out with you know, 15 different products and just sort of throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks, which is what we were able to do back in the day. I would say now, if, if you're thinking about a brand, to try to get as much clarity as you can about who you want that brand to be, what you want that brand to be, but also how, how you're going to differentiate that brand. It's highly competitive. This industry is already exceedingly competitive and becoming more so every day, as you said, everybody and their brother is releasing a gummy. Um, and this isn't just in the gummy space. You just really need to have a clear vision of what you're trying to do because you really have to engineer your whole company around that. So if you think I have a cost advantage of some sort, you know, I can get THC at a really low cost or my manufacturing costs are really low or whatever, and you think I want to be a value player, then be a value player. You know, really pursue that. If you want to 
um, be an innovator and to have highly differentiated products, you need to structure your whole company around the understanding that that's what you're trying to do. I think it's the brands that sort of hang out in the middle that really have a hard time and struggle because they're not cost leaders and they're not innovation leaders. That is good advice. And then when you started talking about the cost stuff, it made me think again about this THCV product that you're coming out with. And I know, you know, that's a minor cannabinoid. And so it is more expensive or it has been more expensive to work with. Are the prices on the various cannabinoids, like, is that coming down or is that going to be a premium product that, you know, costs more? I would say both. It is coming down, but it's still more expensive. So it will be a premium product. But, you know, how many women or, and men do you know if you said, what would you pay to lose some weight? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I call it skinny weed. <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly. like, do you want skinny weed or do you want the munchies? Right, yeah. exactly. So yeah, the the price is coming down, um, but it's, you know, it's still not down to THC prices. All right. Well, I figured I just was curious and knew you would know. So Nancy, I so appreciate your time. I love what you're doing. I am just thrilled for your success and and for you being such a wonderful representative for women in the cannabis space. So thank you for your time. And um, in the comments, uh, Tina Hopkins says, you ladies keep up the great work. So we don't Thanks, have any Tina. questions. <laughs> we just got some love. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I super appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. WANA expects to have license agreements in place in more than 20 U.S. states prior to the end of 2022. Upon federal legalization and exercising its right to acquire WANA, Canopy Growth will own and operate WANA's vertically integrated facility in Colorado, as well as its rapidly growing licensing division. This deal expands upon the coverage provided by the company's existing right to acquire Acreage Holdings, Inc., a U.S. multi-state operator, and the company's conditional ownership interest in TerraSend Corp., another U.S. multi-state operator. Canopy Growth is making some serious cannabis chess moves to become the global powerhouse of our industry, people. And though I don't like the idea of a cannabis industry that mirrors mainstream media, I am proud to see a bootstrapping female entrepreneur succeed in such a big way. And if you're inspired by Nancy's story, I hope you'll share this podcast with your smoke circle. I rounded up some of the excellent insights Nancy shared with us. You'll find those and more info about the things we discussed today in the podcast 212 show notes at casuallybaked.com. As always, email your requests or can of curious questions through the website or DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the WeedTube. And if you find value in the quality cannabis content I'm churning out every week, please become a podcast patron for $5 per month at patreon.com backslash casually baked. However you choose to support this highly responsible cannabis movement, thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. We had a high time. 
Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.